Welcome to another uh, episode of the Better People Podcast. I am joined today by Alicia Gill, who is the Chief People Officer at Empiric Health. Um, Welcome, Alicia. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, I'm excited to get this party started and talk with you um, about about your career. you know, I I love when you know people. Uh, so many times, our guests or people who have, are professionals in HR didn't really start in HR. Um, so, talk to us about how uh, the start of your career trajectory and how you ended up as an HR executive. Oh wow! Thank you for asking um, that question. And you're right; I am one of those people who never envisioned themselves being an HR person. Back in the day, we call it a personnel person. Or like oh. that. You remember that? Oh, when I started, I was in personnel. Exactly. So um, I'm an economist by training. and But why? Why is that? I've always been really interested in understanding how things work. Why are certain companies, countries poor, for example, right? So that's why I went into that field. I'm very into data. I'm very into facts. I'm very into trying to understand what an objective is and what does it take to get there? And why do... Why do companies not get there? Why do countries not get there? Why do people not get there, right? So my entry point into that was uh, economics, uh, macroeconomics having to do with Latin America. Worked on Wall Street for a bit. And I thought, oh, I really want, you know, I don't want to just chase the dollar. You know what I mean? I really want a career. I want to dig into um, the value prop of a company and really get involved in that. And so I joined IBM in the treasury department. And then I did many different things in IBM. When you join a really large multinational, many times you get to do so many different things. It's almost like you're not working for the same company. So I was right. in treasury, but I spent many years as a consultant internally to various business units and functions, um, did marketing, employee experience, I did all kinds of things. But what I spent the bulk of my time doing were things that had to do with business performance. And as it related to human capital and the way that you invested in it, used it, et cetera, right? So what is the optimal way to establish um, a compensation program? What is the best way to determine the skills that you need to have on tap if you have a certain pipeline with a certain probability of deals closing that have a certain requirement of certain, you know, it, it, you know, it got really, really interesting, the kinds of problems that I was addressing for the workforce to meet business objectives, right? So After being at IBM for almost 20 years, I said, you know what, I really want to turn my attention to the public sector and see if I can do transformative work there, which is what I did. So I I joined New York City, one of the New York City government agencies. Okay. And there I based after a couple of different moves, I actually became the first ever chief people officer in the city of New York, New York City government. Um, I was the chief people officer of the Department of IT and Telecommunications. And that was an opportunity where I said, look, I took what is a typical job, which is a chief of staff job. That's, you know, people know what the chief of staff is. City government has that. Private sector has that. It's a thing. But I was able to parlay that and say, let's let's go a little deeper. Let's figure out how we can think about human capital management in a more integrated fashion. Because the organization isn't going to do what we needed to do if we haven't figured that piece out. We need to have our people ops part. We need to have our learning and development because we're developing people who don't have to give us the best that they have to offer. They don't have to. They can just show up to work and go home. Uh, And then the diversity piece. 
So we integrated that and then that was all under me in this new role, um, chief people officer. After having done that for several years, I determined that my passion wasn't to be a civil servant, although I'm glad for the time that I was there. Um, and I joined a company, Empirics Health, which is you know, where we have a leader who is just completely passionate about the role that humans <laughs> play in your company, your organization, meeting its goals, being clear about who you even are, what your culture is, and what you want to accomplish, being super clear about that. And when I talk to him, I always talk about, you know, what is our North Star? Whatever the North Star is, everybody needs to know what it is and say the same thing. There needs to be an organizational North Star. There needs to be a departmental North Star. There needs to be an individual's North Star mm -hmm. so that everybody knows where they're headed and going in the same direction. And no one feels misled. Nobody feels confused. You don't have all these ridiculous inefficiencies. You find more opportunities to collaborate. Innovation becomes possible. All these things, if you get the people part. So I come at it from, I want things to work <laughs> and a deep understanding of the fact that it's the people that are going to make the difference between it working or not working sustainably. You can get it to work for a little bit in, in a bit of a mess. You can make it work, but you, I don't know that that's going to be an enduring situation. Indeed. It's not sustainable, right? It, exactly. And, and we say uh, in the work I do all the time that, you know, business problems really are people problems now. Right. So, you know, um, one of the, sort of takeaways from your discussion about your current role at, at um, Empirics Health is real transparency. Like that was what I heard. Um, so I'd love to hear like, <clears throat> how how do you do that? <laughs> right? Like so many people are like, well, that sounds great, but how do you do that? Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that when I, I interview everybody who works at the company before they come, everybody. And I do it because I want to be really clear about what our culture is. And I talk about our values because I think we're in a fortunate position where our values and our culture are actually aligned. Our values are not aspirational, right? They're not the things we wish we would be. And we're hoping that next year, maybe we can make some progress towards being, you know what I mean? They actually who are who we are. And I, I'm out there with it because people need to reflect whether or not that's aligned with who they are. You know, so that they can determine whether or not it's going to be a good fit because we're not changing, right? This is who we are. So I'm just upfront about it. Diversity is one of our core values, okay? Empathy is another one. Openness is another one. Collaboration is another one. Customer intimacy, these are the five things that drive everything we do. Our CEO, if you looked him up on LinkedIn, he, he talks about diversity all the time. We show on our profile, our numbers, um, everything is not about numbers, but numbers are not nothing, right? You know, so we're two-thirds women in healthcare, right? A non-clinical setting, you know, they're not nurses, right? So, um, and we're 40% people of color. We have four generations of people working at this company. We're 40% remote. We're about 12% LGBTQ identifying, right? Uh, and I know this. Why? Because one of the things you do if you care about diversity is you measure it. Mm -hmm. You actually measure it. <clears throat> and, I, and, I, no, go ahead. No, I, I want, <clears throat> I want, um, I want to really lean into our diversity discussion. But I, I have a question before we go there, if that's yeah. okay. So, <clears throat> one of the things you said is uh, that you, as the chief people officer, interview everybody. 
And that is, you know, like mind blowing, right? So how many chief people officers might say, well, I just don't have time. So give me the, um, and clearly I hear for you that that is like a, a very important piece of your time spent doing that. And I yeah. understand why. Give me a, give me a sense of, um, why am I doing uh, no, no, I know why. Um, I want to know um, how much time does this take? Is, do you hire five people a year, 20? Oh, well, so here's the thing. I am not involved in the end-to-end interview process. I fully believe that our hiring managers and all the people who are in the interview process are in the best position to determine if this person has the skills and aptitude, experience, all the things that they need to perform that job with excellence. I, I'm not in that conversation. Yeah. I'm assuming they have figured that out. Once they've decided on who they want, or you know, once we're at the final round, there's this is the person we want. You know, Jane is amazing, you know, uh, or you know, Jane and Joe are both amazing, but we can only have you know, if it's like that. So I will meet the person at the end. Yeah. And I'm meeting because I'm trying to understand what are your expectations? Yep. You know what I mean? Like you every all of us in our careers, we enter into a new role in a new organization with a set of expectations. Sometimes they're explicit, sometimes they're implicit. So I'm interested in hearing what people's expectations are. That may not have come out in the interview when they're talking with somebody and trying to put their best foot forward and say the right things, right? I'm not asking about that. I'm asking them about themselves and why, you know, their career, how, where does this fit in and what would success look like to them? It's a different kind of a question, right? Yeah. I'm asking about expectations. I'm asking about, uh, and I'm sharing about our culture so that A, I can understand to, you know, are there expectations realistic for who we are? Um, Can we sort of, no problem, we are aligned. We're all on the same page. Um, Are there any red flags? Are there, you know, whatever the things may be, it's an opportunity. I only spend a half hour. Mm-hmm. So we're not talking about an hour and a half exhaustive miscellaneous thing. I'm not doing that. But mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm saying things about our company. I give people the opportunity to deselect themselves, actually, right? Because it's possible for two jobs to exist in two companies, and one company is a better fit for you than another, right? I mean, we don't, you know, I can go on to the days where you say, oh, I love this job, this job role, this position so much, the company is is toxic, whatever. I'm just going to hold my nose and do the job anyway. Yeah. I think people don't do that anymore. (laughs) I mean, some people do for money. They do it. But (laughs) before we were just doing it, period. But But again, doing it just for money isn't really sustainable. It's not. You tell yourself that, but then, you know, three years later and high blood pressure, then you kind of go. But I think COVID has changed that. People are less willing to do that. And I think that there are generational differences in terms of expectations as well. Agreed. I think that candidates have been much more forthcoming about saying what they expect. Oh, yeah. You know, and they're more likely to do their research on you about what your values are and what you stand for and mention it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Not to mention all the people who did it who didn't say anything. Right. It's uh, you have to earn your status as an employer of choice every day yeah because now that remote work has become a thing I mean it always was a thing I mean when I was at IBM some years ago I mean at one point you know 40 percent of their workforce was remote and that was before video 
<laughs> that was before video. I, I can't even imagine how it's so funny how many years I spent as a remote person. Really? Uh, and there was no videos. Everything was a conference call. <laughs> so oh everything was a conference call. Um, hold on one second, okay? Mm-hmm. One second. Okay. Work from home can be a little loud. Yeah. And I'm in New York City. <laughs> so. Trash day, right? <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, so let's, um, let's uh, you know, that was really uh, a super interesting discussion about, um, about how you are interviewing, really embracing that sort of transparency and intentionality right from the beginning. And um, I work with lots of people and we talk about interviewing for culture fit. And, you know, um, that always makes me super nervous. Yes. <laughs> yes, it should. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, ooh, you know, because that's so laden with um, unconscious bias, right? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Right. If you're like me, you're a culture fit and really the phrase is really culture ad and really understanding. We want you to understand what we do here and how we do it. Mm-hmm. And how do you, um, how, what, like you said, is this a, is this, does this make you say I'm going to self-select out or does this ignite your, your sort of uh, excitement and your feelings here? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it, it, it's, I talk to a lot of companies about how do we interview for that? So um, I love your example and your uh, commitment to that. So thank you for that discussion. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then you have to be authentic to it, you know. Oh, 100%. You know, we we will lay off a very high performing top talent person who is in violation of our core value of diversity. Give me an example. You have done it. (laughs) Because you cannot, we do not, we do not tolerate it, you know, so we, you know, we do diversity training, you know, hopefully, I mean, these are table stakes, right? There's certain table stakes that companies need to be doing right around these topics. We want to have, um, you know, inclusive environments for sure, not breaking laws, right? We know discrimination or harassment and all of these other things, but you want to be better than that, right? You want to actually create an environment where people feel that they have a fail shake, where people feel they won't be disparaged in any way, where people feel that they can be the fullness of who they are, regardless of sexual orientation or race or anything like that. Um, and if we find that there are people who are doing things that are in violation of that, they can't work here. Mm. I mean, that's it. You know what I mean? It's it's not, For us, it's not... You know, we know they're problematic, but we'll just, you know, we don't, no, we don't do that. We don't do that. And there can't be one person. The CEO said it the other day. He's like, we don't tolerate that in anybody, even me. We, We can't, we, it's not who we are. And we're, you know, we're, we're good with that. We feel that way about, you know, we feel that way. Like, you know, a lot of pharmacy benefit managers, which is what we do. You know, they, they 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 function as administrators. You know, you administer the benefits or whatever. But we view ourselves as actually being in healthcare, right? So we are actually very empathetic people. We care about 
the patients on the other end who are receiving the medication. We have clinicians on staff who are helping thinking about what is the best protocol to help support the providers and all this stuff. We care about that as it relates to our clients, but we also are that way as it relates to the empirics community, the community of people who have chosen to work here and behave in a way that reflects our values, which is underpinned by mutual respect. Mm. And everything else comes from there. If you can't even get that right, then why do you want to work here? Right? Like, I become, you know, let me turn it around. Right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you know this is what we're about and we talk about it all the time and that's not who you are, well, then do what makes sense for you, which, by the way, everyone should. Right? And I'm so <laughs> excited because, you know, this is working because for us, we've got really great feedback in terms of the amount of, the degree of inclusiveness people feel we've gotten, you know, anonymous feedback from people say, you know, who are queer identifying, who would say, you know, I've never been in an environment this inclusive in my whole career. Or you know, they, they say things like this to us and we kind of go, yes, we're, we're getting it right. We're getting it right. We just had an all hands meeting yesterday where my head of, or my people ops manager presented our DE&I statistics to the entire company. I present those statistics to the company twice a year. All the numbers I just said, plus more, because not only should you measure it, you should be transparent about it and you should be saying how you feel about it, where you're heading. So it's not, you know, I don't care about it. Well, if we're going to have to report, let's just put in a report. We just won't say anything, but we can at least say it was up there. Nobody will find it though. You know, we don't do that. And I have gone to many HR conferences where I have seen people on, on, you know, the panel talking about diversity and all the things and all the things. And I asked, well, what are you actually doing? Well, we're going to, an initiative to measure. An initiative to measure. <laughs> that is the big, some of these multinationals. Okay. And I'm out here saying, we're going to measure, really? Are you going to then have an initiative to report after you measure? Is that what's <laughs> going to happen next? <laughs> and, you know, what about targets? Are, do those exist? Like, what? I don't know. I, I just... Can, I have a certain amount of impatience about this because it's just not that hard. So tell me what what is your, you know, <clears throat> you talked about measuring, which, uh, you know, I, I you know, th- this is like full circle, right? You started a career. It, it, you, it was, you know, economics is all about sort of numbers and feelings and and what's happening here, right? So yeah. So you've obviously brought that into your entire career. What does, what does what signifies that you've done it or it you know do you have a goal that you're looking toward to go to or to achieve um or or is the actual measuring and transparency a piece of the goal well it's i think it's a couple of things because certain of these things you can't measure you know as an economist i always want the data i love the data i will always want it but there's also the qualitative piece so quantitatively, there's the demographics. You know, if you're not doing the right thing, the people aren't going to show up. So I, all those numbers that I said I'm proud of, good. We hit those numbers. I think that's fantastic. Also, people have to want to stay. Mm. So if we didn't actually have a, an authentic core value of openness, which mm. means that you bring all the diversity, but you're open to what they're bringing, which is by, de- by nature going to be different, Right. If you create an environment 
of, you know, where people feel they're being heard and their contributions are cared about and given consideration. Can't do what everybody says, but you can certainly consider. Mm-hmm. Um, then people will stay. Mm. So yeah. and are people staying? And that's the real um, belonging. Right. And, and I, I, I said before we started taping, we had a, we had our uh, annual uh, law conference yesterday and we had a speaker on, uh, we had a DEIB speaker who I, I really, really loved the, the, the explanation of the B and the belonging, which is when you, what, what you just said is we have a commitment to diversity Empathy is one of your core values as well, as well as openness, being open to ideas, being open. We don't do everything everyone says, but we're going to listen and be open. And that to me really is going to translate into a sense of belonging. Right. And they tell us if we got it right. I cannot sit here and say we have an environment of belonging. Employees have to tell me that, but they have to Mm -hmm. tell other people. But it's not what I say it is. It's what they say it is. So what vehicles do you use for your employees to, um, uh, you know, comment, if you will? Comment. Well, I definitely have an open door policy. Those people definitely take me up, virtual door as well, I guess, um, which people definitely take me up on to say whatever, positive or negative. Mm-hmm. We also have a values and action committee. It's our ERG, but notice it's values and action. Everything is tied to values. Everything. Mm-hmm is tied to values. Um, And so we bring people together and people who volunteer to be as part of that committee and people self-select to be on that committee. And a lot of people on the committee come from various backgrounds because they know the point of the committee is to do things to activate our diversity or openness. So they sometimes come up with ideas of things to do that help us create a place where they feel like they belong more, mm-hmm. you know, which is really helpful. So that's a way that they can do it. We also have, you know, we, we got recertified as a great place to work. There are open comments that people can put. People openly put in, I am this and I feel this way. <laughs> you know, they have said it, right? Mm-hmm. We know what people who have identified a certain way anonymously, everything's anonymous, you know, um, and we know what they said. Um, right. And so I'm really glad to hear this. And if I ever hear anything troubling, then I act like I heard it, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. I have to say, oh, thank you for sharing. <laughs> Move on with my life. We don't do it right. like that. So I think on the belonging side, it's a little bit uh, more of an art. I, I think we do want to see, um, do people, are people exiting from certain groups mm-hmm. uh, at higher, a disproportionate rate than others? That's Mm. a question. Do you observe that there are people in certain categories that seem to be quiet quitting? Mm. Um, Are you observing that there may be something awry that you may need to dig a little deeper? You know, this is where, you know, the data is not going to help you. It can help you a little bit, but, you know, maybe it can be the smoke, but you got to figure out the fire if there is one. Or you find out there's no fire. You're just like, oh my God, this is a bed of roses. Look at this rose and this look at that tulip. This is great. You know, but again, the the key is um, you know, uh you pay attention to it. It has to be intentional. 
It has to be. And because people hear the CEO talk about it all the time, and because they hear me talk about it all the time, then that makes them believe that it can be raised. It -hmm. is something that is okay to talk about in this company. It is something that is talked about at the most senior levels in this company. So certainly I can talk about it. So let me ask you, so you said uh, you were recertified as best places to work. So you do the best places to work survey every year. Yes. Um, one of the um, you know, modes of feedback that um, lots of organizations have found super powerful and helpful are poll surveys. And we've been talking to a lot of, a lot of people have been talking to us about that. Do you do, do you utilize those at all? I'm not a fan of the poll survey. Because I think that people get surveyed to death Truth. in life. Every business that wants to sell to you would ask you to rank me on a scale of zero to 10. How likely would you be to, right? You know, people I get, I think are getting tired of surveys. I mm. sometimes will do a survey if I want to know how, if I want to get feedback on a program that mm-hmm. we rolled out that I want to know how did it land with people. You know, I may do that. But in general, I'm not sending out poll surveys to the entire company. Gotcha. I feel that the Great Place to Work survey is a very robust survey, as it is. It's very detailed. It's been around for years. It's very scientific. I like it. And I think, you know, honestly, I let that serve as our employee engagement survey. Right. I don't want to then do another survey on top of the very, you know, mm-hmm. it's the one that we just put out. <laughs> Why would we do another one? Sure, I, sure. I just don't want to survey it to death. It's And it's not because I don't want the information. Mm-hmm. I did get the information. I'm very happy to have that anonymous, the anonymous results because then we can do things with what we heard for sure. Sure. You know? So sure. for example, one of the things that we've done last year, I hired a learning specialist here. You know, many companies would never hire a learning specialist company less than 10 years old. They're not caring about that. But we care about that. Because we know that our employees care about that. They, they, everyone wants to believe that when they get off the, you know, on their career trajectory, with, they want every role that they have to be advancing themselves professionally. They don't want to feel as if they've gone backwards or stagnant, right? right? Yeah. So, so what are the things that we can do to make investments in their own development and their, right. you know, it, their ability to onboard and get to high levels of productivity in the company. What are the things that we can do? How, what types of content can we curate for them to go take advantage of on their own? So, you know, this isn't something that we did, but a lot of this had to do with some feedback that we got from the survey that went out, not the additional survey that we put out saying, how do you feel about professional development? Like we don't need to do that. So mm-hmm. I, I say this because I really, and you're in a point here because I, I don't think we need to have an IT solution to everything. Sometimes analog is fine. Sometimes you can just have a conversation. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> but I mean, you don't have to, and I'm saying this as the economist, right? I, I, I want to measure where it makes sense, but mm-hmm. I also want to do other things. I want to take a multimodal approach to getting input. That's what I think is the better experience. Because when I talk to people about the North Star of the people function, our job is to create an amazing experience for everybody who works here or who, who attempts to work here. So for candidates as well, that's the, that's that's our whole role. It's not a good experience to be spending, to be filling out 10 poll surveys. So tell me, um, talk to me about the employee experience. How do you, 
how do you start that? How do you, when you hire a new employee, how do you kick off the employee experience? Oh, first, the employee experience starts when they're a candidate. It starts with how they were spoken to or reached out to by our recruiter. It's how they were, how frequently the they were in contact with us, how seamlessly the interview scheduling happened, how fast or slow the process actually was, how quickly we respond with a decision, how we convey the decision. Mm-hmm. When we make an offer to somebody and they accept, I contact, I put them in contact with our employee experience specialist, who is the person who will lead them through the rest of the onboarding process. We assign the person a buddy. We have a buddy program where we intentionally find, and this is volunteer, uh, another employee in another department, because we figure you're going to meet the people in your department, right? So uh, somebody in another department who will serve as your buddy before you show up to help you understand the culture and to answer any questions you might not want to ask HR, right? Just, or your hiring manager, right? <laughs> Maybe you want to have one person who doesn't have any skin in the game other than trying to be helpful. Right. And so that's your buddy. You interact with them before, you interact with them on day one, and they're in the mix for you for 30 days. At least that's the commitment. But then, you know, maybe you stay friends, you know, for the entire duration. That's fine. So there's that. And then there are points along the way where certain things happen. So you you start off with the buddy. Thirty. We're also a, um, a Clifton strengths-based company. So we say, we want you to bring your best self to work. But when we say things, we mean things, right? So best self to work. You, you blah 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 like what are you even talking about right that could be like a bunch of nonsense oh people talk like that all the time leaders say that and you go it's an eye roll like I, I okay i'm gonna bring my best self to work and then what type you know how would you know if i did it how would i know if i did it right you know what are we talking about here so here we're saying we want to leverage your top strengths that are unique to you why wouldn't we do that right and so we use clifton strengths as a way to do that Everybody who joins the company at month three does a Clifton Strengths assessment. And we give them the full report, which basically nobody does, but <laughs> the full report. We also give them a uh, free coaching session with a Clifton Strengths certified coach, which is their own thing. And then I, then I tell them if you sit there and you spend that time talking about how you're going to be a better employee here with your strengths, you'll have wasted the time. Shame on you. This is about you being a better person period, a more effective, that's better, but to be a more effective person as you navigate the world. Part of how you navigate the world is how you do your work. And good for us that, you know, that benefits us too. But the the bigger thought is we're making an investment in your own self-awareness about what your unique strengths are that reflect how you navigate the world. And we carry those strengths through in the way your manager manages you and in the way the team works together. Because I talked about collaboration as a core value. Now that we know what each of our respective top strengths are, now we can collaborate in a much better way. Now that I know your top strength, Holly, is ideation, if I'm out here trying to, and, and that's not strong for me, and I need to come up with some ideas for oh, God, I don't know. I, I'm going to contact Holly because I remember that when we did when when we did that strengths workshop, Holly talked about the fact that ideation was one of her top strengths. It being her top strength means she's good at it, she likes it. <laughs> so I'm not actually bothering her. 
So I'm actually going to reach out to Holly. Now look what happened. Look at that opportunity. Mm -hmm. I might've had an inkling that Holly was good at it, but I don't want to bother Holly. So, but now that we've just been out in the open with all of our strengths, now all kinds of things become possible, including now I understand why Holly behaves a certain way. I was taking it negatively, but actually she's not trying to derail meetings. She's an ideation person. The reason why she keeps saying, what about this and what about that is not because she's trying to drive us all crazy. It's because- It works that way anyway. (laughs) Because that's who she is. Right. And I was thinking she was just being annoying or I was just thinking she wasn't a team player. I was thinking all these things that I would think if I didn't know what these person's strengths were. It's powerful. Yeah. It's really powerful. But I brought about, I brought this about because you were asking me about the experience. So it's the experience as a candidate being treated with respect, which as a candidate, so much of that is really just communication, right? Getting the communication part right. Um, And then it's treating you like somebody we cherish by handing you off to our specialist who's that you're going to be your point person for the entire time you're here to make sure you got what you need. Yep. Bringing you in at the right time to do the Clifton strengths work, making that commitment to you that your manager will continue to leverage those strengths as they coach you and mentor you and help you with your professional development. And then all of the things, making sure that we've got a healthy environment, making sure we have a really robust set of benefits for you, making sure that there's career progression, making sure that you your whole total rewards are compelling, all of the things for as many years of your career as you will give us. That's so yeah. I you know, you're you're in totally the starting the experience of an employee is that candidacy, right? And the other part, which you've been very clear about, is that transparency, like where we are in the process. It's not, we'll get back to you. It's where we are in the process of the interview, right? Like, um, and that is transparency and communication. And and as, you know, our my one of my favorites, Brene Brown says, clear is kind, right? So we're sharing yes. right up, like, it's a two-way interview street these days, for sure. Well, yes. Well, and I would say, you know, I put a lot of pressure on our managers because the managers, once people are on board, they're creating the culture. And certain of these things, clarity, difficult conversations, they're hard. Yeah. They're hard for people. Um, But if you lead with, first and foremost, I respect this person. Mm -hmm. If I respect my best person, I cannot let my personal discomfort with saying a hard thing mean that this person doesn't get what they deserve to get, which is my candid feedback. Talk to me about how you help managers enable those conversations. Well, I, you know, um, I I really feel that managers have quite a, a responsibility. They are the keepers of the culture. I can say whatever I want to say that's inspiring to people. I hope it is, you know, whatever. Um, And the CEO too. um, But if I've got a manager sitting over there who's micromanaging people, who is not giving any feedback, who is, you know, is not doing the things that you would want them to do, then the person who reports to them, you know, is going to leave. (laughs) Right. They're not going to walk away thinking that it's the company that I'm out here saying we are. 
because he's not creating that. He's not replicating that. He's not behaving in concert with that and fidelity with that, right? So it's really important that our managers be open and know how to inspire the people that work for them to give the people who work for them autonomy, to make their people aware of what the expectations are of them and a very granular level and how they're doing relative to that and the impact that they are having. Because if people don't have a sense of purpose, autonomy, and impact, they don't stay or they stay and don't do good work. So I have spent like all last year, I I met with managers, every single manager in the company every month to reinforce all of these messages because it's really, really important. So I spent a lot of time with managers. We also have a partnership with a company called Valor Performance. We have an an executive coach for every single people manager in the company. They meet with them twice a month to work on things that are based on 360 feedback uh, survey that's part of that work, where every employee has an opportunity to provide feedback anonymous and all those stuff that happens in those coaching sessions with our people managers are the things that get worked on. How right. often do you three six do you do three sixties on your? We managers? we do those twice a year, because we want we need to give the person time to do the things, right? So we're about to go out with the next survey um, next week, and so then we'll have the assessment, and people will see how they rank themselves and what collectively everyone else said and they can see the deltas and the you know where they're aligned and say oh my god everyone thinks that about me I thought this about me or they think I'm better at this than I think I am maybe I I need to maybe I'm not as self-aware as I thought or maybe we all agree that I need to work on such and such you know what I mean right it could go a lot of different ways but it's very private I don't know what they're working on this is not this is a um we're giving them a psychologically safe place yeah. You do real things because change is very hard. It requires mm-hmm. vulnerability and people need to do it in a risk-free environment. Otherwise they're not going to do it. So that is another investment that we're making in them. The other thing that we have done this year as an initiative is really double down on the extreme ownership concept. Mm. We've trained all of our senior leaders in the tenets of extreme ownership. And we are deploying that throughout the company as well in concert with everything else. So we make very significant investments in our managers, but those investments are the investments that pay off for the entire workforce. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I always tell the managers, I know I'm making you crazy. I don't care though. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) because at the end, I mean, I'm joking, but not joking, but it's also true that there isn't anything I'm asking them to do. That's not going to ultimately cause them to be a better leader. Right. Right. You know, know, I love the the um, the attention placed on making sure that our managers realize that a big part of their job is to be that culture carrier, is to be that people leader. And and we're giving you tools in which to really hone in that piece of your craft, because being a manager isn't just getting the department results, what your your the productivity or the business you're working on it is around developing and creating an environment for your people where they're giving their best work and they're given a place to be their best self and um you know i i asked i was doing a talk recently and i said who 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 in this audience believes their managers are equipped to have these really difficult conversations and people are like 
And I'm like, so what are you doing? Right? Like, what are you doing? These are hard conversations. Yeah. And what ends up happening is there are some people who are really, really good at it. And then there are others who may fail miserably at it. And we kind of just turn a blind eye you gotta you gotta prop those managers up or they'll well, never have those conversations well there are some people who think they're having them indeed and they're not mm-hmm. it's interesting do you know what i mean because you know you, you had asked me earlier about the annual review that we don't have yes, yes it's yes. because you shouldn't be sitting on this it, it kind of feeds into the wanting to postpone the hard conversation right yeah you know, it's February. Jane did such and such. Ah, oh, she shouldn't have done it that way. I can't wait till October to put that in the report. You know, this, yeah. So we're, you know, meanwhile, it's like 1985, right? Like, exactly. It's like, really? And so, but then come October, you don't even remember that. You just remember that two weeks ago, they kind of flubbed the presentation. So now you've got this recency bias. So you've got recency bias in that. You forget about all the amazing things that happened before. Um, and that's not fair to the individual, not to mention because you, it's possible that you hold the, the assumption could be of some people that, well, if we're doing it once a year, maybe you only want me to convey it once a year. So Mm -hmm. therefore you don't say anything. If you take that annual review away, you kind of go, oh, okay. Um, sure. So, uh, so what we're saying, you should be having ongoing conversations. It shouldn't, you know, tell Jane the day after. Why wouldn't you do that? I mean, Jane would probably like to know that she didn't meet your expectations. She probably, she does she even know? The, um, the, she the, would probably prefer to fix that. The she, whole, um, the visual that, that I give is, um, you know, a uh, soccer coach, right? Standing on the sidelines game's going, imagine if that coach at the end of the season gave you all the feedback. (laughs) Rather than after the game, rather than when you're practicing, rather than, you know, after certain, um, you know, consistencies uh, pop up, at the end of the year, imagine how unsuccessful that team would be and how much more successful they would be if it was pretty consistent and constant and you knew when it was coming and it was all about helping you be better. And it's it's like a no-brainer to turn that. But again, to turn that conversation into a constant coaching conversation rather than a year-end evaluation. But you got to help them. You yeah, gotta you, help them. You have to help them. You can't leave them out there. So the part of the, the tools, well, you know, one of the tools that we have is, you know, I talked about Clifton strengths. Well, the managers know the strengths. So now you know how what language to use for that person, what's going to land with them. If you know mm-hmm. you have a person for whom context is important, you're going to give them feedback very differently than a person who doesn't really care about context that much. They just want to know what I do. They don't want to, they don't need the whole, need the, uh, the, the whole preamble and the this and the that. They just said, did I speak too quickly in this meeting? Or did I, what, you know, is the, with the too many typos, like what, what is the situation? <laughs> Some people will want to know, well, you know, as we go forward, you know, they just want to know how does it fit in? You know, they just, it's important to them. So we give managers tools about the strengths of their staff. They should use that. 
to help facilitate some of these conversations in yeah. a more impactful way. Um, they also have a report that not only do they have their own strengths report, but we also have a special um, report for managers. How do you use your strengths as a manager, mm. which gives you specific suggestions about doing that? I already told you they actually have a, a person who is a PhD in most cases in psychology that you can call, you should be meeting with twice a month to work on things. I, we just did an extensive training on extreme ownership so we can get into those topics. I have my own impromptu meetings where I bring all the managers together to work with one another and have accountability partners. Mm. We put in place a vehicle um, of the internal job description where people would really, where managers had to really lay out what are the standards for this job, right? Mm. People are meant to do to perform to standard. It makes it easier for somebody who has difficulty having a difficult conversation to say, you know, you know, instead of saying, well, you know, hey, you know, it'd be really nice if you did such and such. <laughs> when really what you mean is you really have to do that or otherwise you're not doing this job. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it lands differently. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you have a document that is here are the standards for the job, let's have a conversation, Jane, about how you're doing relative to each standard. Let's go through them. You know, that. If I give you that tool, then maybe it doesn't feel like this fraught thing. Now the the employee knows, oh yeah, this is what I'm supposed to do. Now I know, I have clear expectations. And you're telling me I didn't do that. Can you give me an example? Yeah, sure. I can give you an example, da, 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 right? So these are kind of the resources and structures that we put in place for our managers to be able to do it. We want, you know, I say, we want the right thing to do to be the easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. I don't, I, I uh, assume good intent on everybody's part. I think mm. everyone does the best they can. So why wouldn't I sit out here in my role and make investments that create the conditions for people to be the best they can be? I want yeah, I love that. Yeah. I, Listen, I yes. It's, okay. One last question. Um, if uh, a lot of our audience uh, who listens to this podcast are, um, you know, HR folks who work in the mid-market and what would you, um, what advice would you give to somebody, you know, starting their career, new in their career? What advice would you give them? Um, Well, I would say get clear on your personal North Star. Mm. What do you want to be able to say you accomplished, right? It can't just be, I'm, I saw this job posting. I read the things. I like those things. I'm going to apply. Like you, you can do that. But then you're not being really intentional. Um, We'll never know what the future holds, but you can directionally know what you want to do. So I think it makes sense to get really clear about the things you like to do and use that to sketch out. And I say sketch on purpose, but to, to kind of sketch out a trajectory for yourself and then have fidelity to that, knowing that there's room to maneuver and go left and right for things that you don't even know. Right. But at least you know that you're a data-driven person who likes to work um, in a strategic manner. Da, da, da. If that's true, then that automatically desucks a whole lot of stuff right. that if you read the job posting, you might apply for. And right. that would be the wrong thing to do. Right. So right. figure out who you are, what your personal North Star is. And then within the things that meet the criteria for that, then consider what you want to do. I love that. Thank you so much. I have loved our conversation. 
um, Alicia, and I, um, you know, took a lot of great nuggets from this and uh, love your passion around the clarity and transparency and um, the role that really HR can help drive in an organization. So thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening. We hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. Before we go, we want to thank the sponsor of our show, the Mid-Atlantic Employers Association, more commonly referred to as MEA. MEA provides human resources services to hundreds of businesses across numerous industries every day, bridging gaps that restrain innovation and growth. If you need support around people issues, reach out to meainfo.org. Better people, better outcomes.